to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. For how many of you would, would you say that of your Old Testament characters, that Daniel would be among your favorites? Anyone say that? I would say that too. Well, tonight we're looking at a message, Tested Just Like Daniel. Tested Just Like Daniel. In Daniel 6 and verse 1. And Brother Jim, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? Amen. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. So we see the, the jealousy building here between Daniel's co-workers they, they saw what was coming. Daniel was going to be preferred above the presidents, and so they were plotting against him. And, you know, if you've been in the working world very long, uh, so some similar things can happen on the job as well. So, uh, verse 5, Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So, if you are a Christian and your co-workers are not, uh, they'll be looking for some hypocrisy somewhere. Verse 6, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. What's the first word of verse 7? All. All the presidents. Well, that wasn't true, was it? Um, in verse 2, over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. No, verse 7, all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So, what a law. Think about it. I mean, would you actually want everyone in your whole kingdom coming to you for 30 days at anything and everything they, they wanted? I mean, you'd probably not have much time to do anything, would you? If, if any, anything they needed. Uh, but this kind of appealed to his, I guess, his, his pride. I don't know, uh, but he went for it. Verse 8, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. 
Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as what? He did it for a time. So Daniel wasn't just trying to spite the law. So this law is made, okay, no one can pray for 30 days. Uh, and you can't ask a request of man or God except for uh, of, you know, King Darius um, for 30 days. Um, and so Daniel wasn't doing this out of spite. This is what he did aforetime. This is what he had always done. So now to close his windows... And to go pray in secret. Now, is it okay to pray in secret? Yeah, it's okay to pray in secret. If you hold your place here, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. There, there's nothing wrong with praying in secret. So we don't want to misunderstand the passage. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, in verse uh, 5, verse 5, Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be what? Seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into what? Thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is what? In secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Okay, then why was Daniel doing this anyway? Why was it his custom three times a day um, to do this? Well, if you go back to Daniel 6.10, once again it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward what? Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. This goes back to Solomon when he built the temple. Solomon said in his prayer to God, um, if people would pray toward his house in Jerusalem, he asked God that, that he would hear and answer their prayer. So Daniel was not just trying to show off doing this or just to put on the big spiritual air, airs. Uh, he could have been praying in his closet all along, but he was just following what Solomon had said in his prayer, and he was praying toward Jerusalem. And he was not ashamed of it. You know, it's, it's like when we're at a restaurant or at work in the lunchroom or wherever, eating. Um, can we pray with our eyes open? Yeah. Um, you think of uh, Nehemiah? Um, you think of others where they were put on the spot and, and I mean, they're praying. It's like, um, you know, are you sick today? What's wrong? Um, he's afraid, you know, to, to have sorrow of heart, to not be happy in the presence of a king um, could mean off with your head because the king didn't want any depressed people in his presence. He didn't want any discontented people in his presence. 
especially someone who is responsible for food or drink. Why? They could poison it. So you wouldn't want anyone that's discontented in that job. Um, they might do away with you. So the king, what the king would do is do away with them before they could do away with him. So he was concerned. Um, but with, with Daniel here, um, sure, he could have he could have prayed at his desk or wherever he did his duties. He could have prayed uh, whether his eyes were open or closed. Uh, but Daniel, as I said, was just trying to follow this dedication prayer of Solomon and pray toward Jerusalem. And so back to the lunchroom, sure, you know, um, I can, while I'm opening my lunch sack or lunch box, whatever, I can be praying with my eyes open and I can just start eating. But if I do that, what will be true? Other Christians will think, he doesn't pray before he eats? Um, and the loss, it won't be any testimony to the loss. So by bowing our heads and praying, other Christians will know that we are thankful to God. And the lost will know um, that, that we also uh, have a spiritual side to us. And, and we, we want them to know that we worship the Lord. So Daniel here, he's not trying to spite a new law that's been made. He's just, verse 10 at this time, because this has been his regular practice, if he were to change at this time, then they would think, well, Daniel, um, your faith really isn't much, you know, because when it comes right down to it, um, you're just thinking of yourself. Uh, but no, so he, he does just like he always did. And then verse 11, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, Regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set on his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Could we ever be tested in this way in America? Could it ever in America become against the law to pray in public or to pray about specific things in public? Well, that's exactly what's happened in Australia. So is it possible to happen here? Yes, it is. The Daily Signal reported that um, an Australian state of Victoria has outlawed prayer in regard to praying for the LGBT or the sodomite group. Um, I'll read it here. This is the Change or Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Act. <laughs> That's the name of it. The Change or Suppression Conversion Practices 
Prohibition Act. That's the name of this law. It forbids certain practices aimed at changing or suppressing an individual's gender identity. The law also bans carrying out a religious practice, including but not limited to a prayer-based practice. Um, it says, according to the commission, prayers that are directed at a person to change or suppress their gender orientation or identity um, are prohibited. Forbidden prayers include petitions to God that ask for healing, that ask for a person to change this behavior, that ask for a person not to act on their attractions, that's sodomy, or talk about a person's brokenness or need to repent or ask for a long-term celibacy. Uh, it, it says here, it suggests petitions to God. So they're, they're saying, okay, we're not outlawing prayer to, to God, but this is what we're doing. If you are going to pray for these people, this is what you have to pray. For guidance that are supporting and reassuring that the person is created in God's image and perfect the way they are, that acknowledge that God loves the individual. In other words, the only prayer that's legal in the state of Victoria and Australia for an LGBT person is if you pray for them, acknowledging that they are in their gender inclinations, um, that's perfect with God. That's fine with God. Um, well, we are created in the image of God. Uh, but let's look at a few things here. Uh, if you hold your place here. Let's go to Genesis 1. God did create, a, create us um, <laughs> perfectly how he wanted us. Uh, Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in what? Our image. And we've talked a lot about this lately, but in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we are a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. God is three persons in one. So we're created in his image. We are not three people. We are body, soul, and spirit. But that doesn't mean we are, that we have a, um, trying to think of the word sometimes people say sometimes people say a person has a split personality or there's another term I can't think of but but no we are we are not we are we are not three different people this body soul and spirit we are one and and God we don't serve three gods we serve one true and living God. 1 John 5, 7. These three are one. Um, so we are made in his image in that sense. If, if something happens to this body, that does not mean we cease to exist. Sometimes people say, well, how could Jesus be God 
and die on the cross. They ask, how can God die? Well, we have to go back to what is death? Death is not ceasing to exist. Because their question begs the question, how can God cease to exist? He's God. Well, death is never ceasing to exist. Uh, James 2.26, the body without the spirit is dead. So at death, the spirit leaves the body. Uh, Jesus' physical body died on the cross. Uh, is Jesus God? Yes. How could God die? Well, Jesus is God and his physical body died. But he did not cease to exist. What did he say to the dying, repentant thief on the cross? Today shalt thou be with me in where? Paradise. So Jesus didn't cease to exist. He was in paradise with um, that dying thief, the repentant one anyway. So, um, and so in verse 26 here, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in what? His own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and what? Female created he them. God didn't bring another male. God didn't bring an Aaron to Adam. He brought an Eve. Um, and God didn't bring, um, like Solomon shows, God didn't bring 1,000 Eves to Adam. He, he brought one. So we get the picture. We, we know what God's plan is. So what about genders? You know, this is so foolish, you know. These, these terribly confused people say, oh, the first man had a baby. Uh, no, a man has never had a baby. Uh, a very confused woman that thinks she's a man had a baby. But a man didn't have a baby. Um, notice in Genesis 3.16, after the sin, um, God, God makes it clear here as if it wasn't before. But Genesis 3.16, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth what? Children. And thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now that was the result of sin there. But God mentions She's the one going to be having the babies. Well, what about the man? What, what was his sorrow in? in? With Eve, it was the, the travail of having children. But verse 17, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I command thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, for till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now, if you're not doing the gardening, if you're not doing the planting, um, why is it going to concern you that there's thorns and thistles? Somebody else is doing the hoeing. Somebody else is doing the tilling. No, this was Adam's problem. So God made it clear here that 
Adam's travail was going to be in providing a living for the family. That was his responsibility. And so it's, it's clear uh, the, the roles, female and male, right from the start here. So um, those who try to alter the fact of gender, um, it's, it's really sad. The, their suicide rate is so high. And of course, who gets blamed for that? is they say that people are bullying them, um, mocking them, because they're pretending to be the opposite gender. But that is not the true reason that the suicide rate is so high amongst gender-confused people. The real reason it's so high is because in their minds they can fantasize being the opposite gender. But when they try to either with medications or surgeries, try as hard as they can to be the opposite gender, uh, what they find in the end is that they are not the opposite gender. They are just, they now just have a very messed up body. And it does not bring satisfaction to them. Um, it actually, if, if they go so far, it actually just destroys them really from, fu from fulfilling being either gender. And uh, they, they've just surgically or medicinally um, destroyed many proper things of their gender, of their proper gender. Notice in Romans chapter 1. So, in Australia right now, you cannot, in Victoria, the state of Victoria, you cannot legally pray with a sodomite, with an LGBT, with a gender-confused person. You cannot pray with them um, asking God to bring them to repentance, to ask God to show them that the way of peace, the way of satisfaction is to accept the gender that God has made them. But you see, evolution is a huge factor in this too. Because if you believe, if they believe in evolution, uh, then you see everything is random chance. Everything is like random mutations. So think with me a moment. If you are trained in evolution, that just random mutations got us where we are, then why wouldn't you think you could medicinally or surgically mutate the body that you have to make it become the opposite gender? You see, evolution really is just atheism. The bottom line is evolution is atheism because it rejects our creator. And so this is, this is the fruit of it, what we're seeing today. And the more, the more the news pushes this gender fluid thing, the more our government pushes it, 
um, you have so many simple people that are believing it. Um, some years, quite a few years ago, um, Ryan Bond told me that when he was applying for to try to teach in colleges, that so much of it was dependent upon giving your stamp of approval to the sodomy thing. And so what happens is you get these young people sitting under these professors and they simply get brainwashed is, is what happens. So we have to get back to renew our minds from the word of God. So Romans 1, 18, what does God say? Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Remember Sunday morning? In Psalm 19, you look up into the sky, those stars, that's proof. There is an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful creator. We saw that picture where the stars in their courses, a camera with the shutter held open and allow those stars to see the course. Not one of those courses intersected the other one in that picture. Not one. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God, into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to what? Dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto what? Vile affections. For even their women did change the what? Natural use into that which is what? Against nature. You know, the unsaved, especially evolutionists, like to talk a lot about nature um, and th things that happen naturally. Well, God says what they are doing here with sodomy and all this gender mess is that they are going against nature. Verse 27, and likewise also the men, leaving what? The natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge... God gave them over to a what? Reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And verse 29 starts getting into these people are vicious when someone says what they're doing is wickedness. 
Uh, verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So there should be no mistaking about where this is all headed. Actually, this shouldn't surprise us. Number one, it shouldn't surprise us that, that sodomy is so much on the rise and now the, the gender fluid part of it uh, because God told us in the days of his return, it would be like the days of Lot. And we're seeing it. Uh, look at me in Luke 17. Luke 17. Luke 17 and verse 28. Luke 17, 28. Likewise also as it was in the days of who? Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus... Shall it be in the day when who? The Son of Man is revealed. So this really shouldn't surprise us. It's just another sign that time is getting short. The rise of sodomy is just another sign that the Lord's coming is drawing nigh. Um, it should also not surprise us that now it's moved and it's, had, it's been moving this direction, but to silence Christians. It, it just really gets to these people when what they're doing is called sin and wickedness. It just really sets them off. And so what their goal is, is to silence Christians. So this silencing of prayer, and it, you just wait for the time, but they will try to silence the word of God because it's the word of God. It's, it's really not us as Christians condemning them. It's the word of God that condemns their sin. And we are not condemning them. We are trying to see their own condemnation, and we are trying to see them come out to repent of that and to get saved. We don't want to see them condemned. Um, so uh, let's go to Amos chapter 8. So the rise of sodomy should not surprise us uh, because we're told, in the, as in the days of Lot, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And then in Amos 8, what is coming is that they're going to try to come down and... and Always before we could say, well, this is my faith. Well, in Australia, they so-called have religious freedom too. But what they're saying now is that, well, you have religious freedom and you can practice that in private and in public 
to the extent that it doesn't harm someone else. And that's interpreted now as, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else's feelings. And that's the issue now. So this is what's going to happen. Amos 8.11. Amos 8.11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of what? Hearing the words of the Lord. God, he told us here, a famine was coming. A famine, not of bread, not of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Verse 12. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall what? Not find it. You know, probably all of us in history have studied about the Dark Ages in Europe and how there was a time when people, if they had a copy of the Word of God, um, they could be put to death. They could be arrested just for having a copy of the Word of God. Um, You know what? That could come again. God says... There's going to come a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And in verse 12, they're going to run to and fro to try to find it. And we're seeing that that is what is playing out right before our eyes right now. Um, So we shouldn't shouldn't be surprised. Um, So let's go back to Daniel chapter 6. So... When the law was made, um, Daniel didn't stop praying in public. He still gathered there before, kneeled before his open window and prayed. And so the king tried to deliver him, uh, but their laws were such that a law could not be changed. So verse 15, Daniel 6, 15. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel! Servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt 
was found upon him because he what? Believed in his God. Now, back a little bit when we started this, I asked you if Daniel, if this, if Daniel was one of your favorite characters in the Old Testament. Now, I don't know how many hands were raised, but I would say he'd be one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament. The question for us is, he's been one of our favorite characters. Why? Well, because he did the right thing, even though it meant it could have cost him his life. And we respect him for that. He didn't know if God was going to deliver him, just like the three Hebrew children in the furnace of fire. Um, They made it clear to the king, you know, if God delivered him, he, he was able, but... Even if he didn't, they were not going to fall down and worship his image. You know, we could be getting not that far from having to take the same stand. We need to pray for the brethren in Australia. You know, uh, Brother Michael Garamy was saved in Australia. He came from Iran to Australia on a work permit. And it was in Australia was where he heard the gospel and he got saved. There are many Christians in Australia, and if they're in the state of Victoria, they are, as it were, living in the days of Daniel. A very similar thing. It's against the law now to pray for these people involved in this sin of sodomy and the whole gender mess. So we need to pray for them, and we need to pray for our country. This is, not, this is not a battle of Republican versus Democrat. This is a battle between God and Satan. And whose side are we on? Uh, we need to be much in prayer. We have, we have an election coming up this year. Um, and, but, you know, we don't have to wait for elections. We need to pray for our leaders right now that God would bring them to repentance and that they would do the right thing so that he could bless them and bless our land. So God spared Daniel. What happened to the people who accused him? What happened to the masterminds behind this law? Well, let's read on. Verse 24, Daniel 6, 24. And the king commanded, And they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had, what? The mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. What? What a a horrible scene. Now, these people in Australia, in the the state of Victoria, that have made, uh, written this legislation, um, they are like these people that plotted against Daniel. They know what they're doing. And we just need to pray that those people would be brought to repentance or that God would bring them down out of power and place godly people in power. 
um, for the sake of the Christians in Victoria, Australia. And when something like this happens anywhere on earth, it always spreads. And so we need to pray for America because we've always admired Daniel. But we admired him because he was willing to stand. But we see now on this earth the same similar thing has happened. Will we stand? Are we really willing to give our lives if need be? That day may be coming faster than we realize. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that, Lord, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, we pray for these wicked people in Victoria, Australia, who have written this law in all the people in their parliament that have passed it. They have done a very grievous sin against you and against your children and now has, have put them in a very hard spot. I pray, Lord, that you would give the Christians in Victoria, Australia, the grace to continue to do what is right, just like Daniel. He had been praying in public, and he continued praying before that open window so the public could see him. And Father, I pray for the, the Christians there in Victoria, Australia. I pray, Lord, that you would just miraculously protect them from this law. And I pray, Lord, you would deal with those who have made this law. We pray most of all for their repentance and salvation. But if they will not repent, Lord, we pray that you would remove those people that you would judge those people and put godly people in place that would reverse that law. And Lord, we pray for America. We just see these things happening. Lord, please help us. We've admired Daniel and his godly character for all these years. And now, Father, we may be called upon to do the same thing, to fearlessly pray just like we've always prayed, even though it may come to be here that it's against the law. Help us, Lord, to stand and having done all to stand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our hymn books, if you